You're listening to sermons from Redeemer Church in Round Rock, Texas. Redeemer is a gospel-centered, missional family learning and living the way of Jesus in the suburbs of Austin. Amen. Well, good morning. You can have a seat. My name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here at Redeemer. And we believe that when the church gathers around the word and sacrament that Jesus feeds and nourishes his church. So I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad you made that decision to gather this morning. If you're new with us, welcome. We're glad to have you as a part of this church family. And we are currently in a series on generosity called A Generous People. And last week, we kicked off, Pastor Jordan kicked off the series by looking at a generous God. And we saw how God is a giver of grace to undeserving sinners like you and me. And any conversation about generosity has to begin with God's generosity to us, giving us all things in his son, Jesus. And today we're going to move from a generous God to a generous people. As a church, we are adopted children of God, and we are increasingly growing by the Spirit's power into the likeness of of Jesus. And this is true with all areas of our life, but it's especially true with generosity. We're learning to be givers and generous people like our Heavenly Father has been generous to us. Now, how many of you are just naturally generous? Anybody, any naturally generous people in here? Okay. All right. We got one self-deceived person. I'm, I'm sorry, Chris. Uh, right. Most of us, if we were to look at some of the different, all the different areas of life, would find some area of our life where we're bent towards selfishness or greed, right? Your spouse asked you for a bite of that sandwich that they didn't want to order at the time, but you did, and, and it's that last bite, and, and does your heart naturally want to give that away? No. Uh, when the neighbor needs that tool and last time he took three months to return it, do you want to loan out your tool? Does your friend who needs your car, it's a kind of a newer car and your friend's not a great driver, do you, does your heart just naturally want to, oh yeah, sure, take it? Um, when your time and talents are asked and your money is asked for because your church has need, does, is our natural response just, oh yeah, just we want to give. We want to be generous. I think there is... There are parts of our life, that, and, and many of you who have been gifted by God with the gift of generosity, but apart from God's transforming grace, our default tends to be greed. And my hope today is that all of us will hear the Spirit's call toward being a generous people motivated by a generous God. And so that's where we're going to go today. We're going to look at a people of generosity. Let's pray, and then we'll jump in. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We praise you that you are so generous, that you created all things, that you created the heavens and the earth and even us and our bodies and you gave us breath and you, you have given all things freely. And even when we ruined your creation with sin, you redeemed it and gave it back to us restored in Christ. Lord Jesus, would you help us to see who you are at heart and would that transform us. Lord, today would you free our hands from the grip and tightness of greed and allow us to open our hands to be generous as you lead. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, before we jump into generosity, I think it's important to spend a few minutes talking about the struggle 
of greed. As we just talked about, all of us are bent towards greed. I see this in my own heart. I've seen it since an early age. When I was about 11 years old, my mom took us to the Walmart in Taylor, Texas. I think that was probably our closest Walmart. And we went because my brother wanted to use his money to buy a video game. And, uh, and he, had enough, he thought he had enough money for the game, and so we're in the game section looking at the games, and, and I have my money, he has his money, and he picks out a game that I wasn't too fond of. I wanted him to get a sports game, he wanted to get the Flintstones Nintendo game. And he goes to the cash register, and they ring it up, and he's like one penny short on the game. And he looks at me, and he's like, hey, can I, you know, can I have a penny? And I'm sitting there, and I just go, no, like I'm not giving you one cent. <laughs> I wanted to get the football game. You chose Flintstones. Not going to do it, right? There was greed in my heart because if he wasn't going to act the way I wanted him to, if he didn't go to my agenda, I certainly wasn't going to give to him. I see greed at work in my children's heart. They're not here yet, so I can use this story. But my kids will sometimes, they'll, you know, they've gotten to an age where they will purchase, uh, heaven forbid, with their own money, a bag of chips or the girls like certain soaps or shampoos. And if one of the siblings happens to get into that soap or that bag of chips that you know, they purchase with their own money, all, uh, all heck breaks loose in my family, right? And I, I try to remind them, like, how many bags of chips have I bought for you? Maybe I even bought the soap that they're arguing over, right? And, and yet your heart can be so easily greedy. Um, we saw during COVID, whenever, you know, anyone, we hear of, oh, there, there might be a toilet paper shortage. And then you've got people who are hoarding toilet paper. And, like, they got closet full of supplies and masks and all these things. You see greed come out in our hearts in the ugliest ways, at times, we see governments and corporations compromising the well-being of their constituents or people for the sake of their own gain and their own enrichment. And sadly, at times, we see churches who hoard resources. They have an excessive amount of wealth just to build themselves up rather than seeing the mission of God go out. Greed is a problem in us and around us. Now, greed in the English language, I thought this dictionary definition was helpful, is defined like this. It's a selfish and excessive desire for more of something, primarily related to money, uh, than is needed. Let me say that again. A selfish and excessive desire for more of something than is needed. This is the heart of greed, and it is indeed a problem. Greed is a God-given desire, not greed, but there's a God-given desire for, to meet our needs that goes beyond our needs to have excessive things so that we can secure something in the future or so that we can uh, be filled. Now, I would venture to say that all of us, if we were to survey our life, struggle with greed in one area or another. And I think that all of us might have different reasons for why we are greedy. For instance, uh, some of us are greedy due to our, our own comfort or the fear of not having enough in the future. There might be, I can't give to this person or to this church or to whatever the opportunity to meet a need is because my future self might need that toilet paper or that money, right? Um, we're greedy out of comfort and, and a longing to control our safety for the future, some of us are greedy out of a, of a longing for status, right? We, we need to use our money to pile up our investments, to pile up our possessions, to, to live a certain lifestyle and keep up a certain appearance. Perhaps we even give, but only when it contributes to that lifestyle or that appearance that, oh, yes, look at my endowment fund here with my name on it. 
Um, not, that might be okay if you have one of those, but I'm just saying it can be uh, motivated by status. Some might be prone to greed for the, for the idol of control, like me, like in the Flintstones game. I didn't, my brother was not following my agenda, and so was I going to give? No, I'm not giving him one penny of my money, literally, not one penny of my money. And we see this at work sometimes in the church. Maybe you don't like a certain initiative at your church. You don't like the worship songs they were singing. Someone can decide in their heart, well, I'm not going to give because they're not living out my agenda. There's many reasons and many ways in which greed can impact our lives. And greed, for our conversation today, is primarily connected to money. Now, it certainly can extend to our time. It can extend to our possessions, our skills, even our thoughts for you introverts, right? Your inner life. But this morning, we're going to talk about greed primarily in the context of our money and our finances. Um, And in many ways, our money, or as the Bible sometimes calls our treasure, is a great area to talk about greed because it really are the way we invest and spend our money is going to show us a mirror of what we really love. This is what uh, Jesus says in Matthew 6, 19 through 21. He says this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Now listen to what he says. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Jesus is saying how we spend our money, how we invest it, is a really good sign for us, a mirror for us to show us what we love. Now, a quick side note here, a quick plug. I would encourage each person to have some sort of budget or awareness of how you're spending your money because of this very reason. If I don't know how I'm spending my money and using the resources God has given me, if I don't take inventory of that, I can always trick myself into thinking, yeah, I'm a pretty generous person, even though I have no idea how much I'm giving away and how much I'm spending on myself. I mean, imagine if you started tracking and you realize, oh, goodness, I'm spending 40% of my income on entertainment and fast food. Right? Like, what, do I, what am I loving? Right? That's a pretty good mirror. I love myself, fast food, and Netflix, you know, or, or whatever it is. It acts as a mirror. A budget can serve as a mirror for us. And concerning our topic today, it can help reflect to us, am I living generously or am I living in the grip of greed? Now, it's likely that if we were, in fact, opening up our spending and, and maybe we're tracking the last three years of where we've invested our money, all of us would have ways that we look, we look at that and we realize that, man, we're not as generous as we would like. Gosh, I didn't realize I, I love this so much, but, but, you know, money doesn't lie. We would see that we, at times, have lived excessively for ourselves at the expense of being able to serve and bless others. Or perhaps we've lived in ways where we we could have blessed others, but we're unwilling to because they weren't living up to our agenda. Now, at this point in the sermon, I could start listing off scriptural commands about giving. I could start stacking up the guilt. I could start running through the, the gauntlet of verses that talk about money. I could start railing on the dangers of riches. I could start heaping on you the, the re- recommendation of the tithe. I could rail on greed in our culture. And there is some truth here. There is some warning there. But ultimately, you can't be guilted into generosity. 
You can't be guilted into the kind of generosity our Father desires for His children. You see, God is a generous Father, and He alone can create and transform greedy, sinful people into generous sons and daughters. You see, when we recognize with the psalmist from Psalm 24 that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, including you and me, that it all belongs to him. And then we see in the biblical story that although God created everything and it was ruined by human sin, that God's heart is to redeem it and actually to give it back because at his core, he's a giver. When we start to see that, that even God, who didn't, who wouldn't bound to give, but was such a giver that he gave even his own son, his body and his blood. When we start to see that's who God is, it begins to transform our hearts. You see, I think for the most part, greed is a result in seeing ourselves as empty and alone. It's an orphan mentality. We need to hold tight. We need to control where things go. We need to get ours because we're empty and alone, and if we don't take care of ourselves, nobody else is looking out for us. You see, but God, our gracious Father, as, we, as Jordan expanded last week, has given us all we need for life and godliness. You're forgiven. We, what did we sing about earlier? Your debt was paid. Did you pay that debt? No, he did fully. You're welcomed into his family. You're wanted in his presence. You're adopted. You're secure in, his, in belonging to the people of God. By faith, you have freedom over sin. You've, you're given instruction for godly living. You're given the promise of eternal life and a future hope. And that in the end, all things belong to the people of God anyways. The, the full inheritance of the new creation is coming to you. You see, everything is created to be given. This is at the very heart of who God is. He is a giver who creates and overflows generosity. And he longs for us as his children to see that and imitate that. I think that generosity comes from knowing and experiencing in the depths of our being that our needs are fully met in Christ. And let me add this to that. And it's cultivated and maybe grown by practicing this to be true. By knowing it to be true and by practicing it to be true. Even when we don't feel like it, practicing generosity. In 2 Corinthians 9, 6-9, through 9, the Apostle Paul is talking to the Corinthian church, who we've been talking a little bit about. You know quite a bit of their story and how crazy they are. This is a, the, the, a different letter, but it's still to the same group. And Paul's talking to them about the kind of generous giving that we're talking about here. And here's what he says. He says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever." Paul's call for generosity to the Corinthian church is rooted in God's generosity. And here's the thing. 
God doesn't want us to be generous simply because the church needs to keep the lights on, although that, there is a reality to that. But I think ultimately God wants us to be generous because in the act of generosity, it's a practice that frees us from the grips of greed. It's when we put something into practice, when we walk in faith and do, even when we don't feel, that we begin to see and trust that, hey, this, it is actually better to give rather than to take and receive. You see, Paul says he doesn't want them giving reluctantly or under pressure. How many of you have ever felt what that feels like to have to give reluctantly? You're like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> like, maybe, I, but, but you feel pressured to give. Maybe you even felt that in churches. Paul says that's not the kind of generosity God's want, God wants. He wants a cheerful giver. And he wants you to practice this, not just because the church has needs or because your neighbor has needs, although those are a reality, but because in the practice of generosity you begin to grow in freedom from greed. You see, hoarding your wealth cultivates what? More greed. Giving, whether it's a little or a lot, sacrificially and cheerfully, cultivates freedom from greed and a joy in giving. Ultimately, because they're imitating, we're imitating our Father, we're acting like Him. Giving is a formative and freeing action. And God desires that we give cheerfully and sacrificially. It's a practice that helps us put into action what we truly believe. It's a regularly ungripping. You could think of this as you're, as you're pressing that button on the give or you're, or you're giving that thing to the neighbor or you're making that donation to this organization, that, that it's literally taking our hands off of what we would say is mine and declaring it, no, God, this is yours. You see the act of worship there? Both shows that we value and love God and also frees us from the life-sucking death that greed brings. You believe that, by the way, that greed is actually death. Greed is becoming more like the evil one who is an orphan and who is cast off and who will be judged than it is becoming like God who has all. And so he's just given and given and given. This is what God wants. Knowing and learning through acting out what we believe to be true. Parents, think about your children for a minute. Do you want your kids to, you know, say when they're younger and they have, they're sharing the toys, or in my case, they're sharing the soap or shampoo, do you want to have to command them to share with their siblings? Now, I will say this. Sometimes you need, they need the command because the heart has not yet been transformed, so they need a little law. That's okay, I think. They need a little law. You're going to share it, because ultimately, I bought it, and I pay your rent, right? You're going to share it. But what do you really want? What do you really long for? You want to walk in and say, hey, take it. Oh, that would, that would melt your heart as a parent, wouldn't it? Do you want to have to command your children to, hey, you know what? You just got 100 bucks. Maybe you should consider not just immediately buying a toy or a game, but given some to those in need or given some to the church? Do you want to have to, you, you can command them, and that, again, there's a time for that. The law's a tutor. But what you want to see is their heart saying, no, I want to give, I want to give actually a good percentage of that to the, to the church or to this cause that we're working with as a family. You long to see them give freely because ultimately this is what God wants for us, his children. Now, what does this look like practically? Because there's a lot of wisdom and discernment that we need as we talk about giving. Because if you're like me, 
maybe, and I realize not everyone is like me, and I hope at least a few of you are kind of think like me, so this can relate to you. But if you're like me, you hear sometimes uh, lessons on giving, or maybe you heard something about the rich young ruler, and you kind of go in this all or nothing mentality, like, well, I guess I've got to give it all away, like, or I'm just, you know, a terrible person, right? You're like, I don't think that. You're weird, Josh. But, um, it, but, but it, it can't be all or nothing, because here's the reality. It usually ends up being nothing if we're, if we're having an all-or-nothing approach to giving and generosity. What I want to suggest is that we use wisdom and consider God-ordered generosity. Now, remember, greed is excessively looking to meet our needs. It's not just meeting our needs, but packing up for, for, for us and our selfish reasons. But generosity does not mean excessively not meeting our needs, right? It's not that we all take a vow of poverty, although there are some maybe God would call to that. It doesn't mean all of us are called to that. Rather, it means that we take inventory of what we have, we look at where God has placed us, and we prayerfully consider what does it look like to be generous with what God has given. And I think we start with our own family. We start by taking care of the household that God has given us. Am I using my money to steward the needs of my family? Food, shelter, clothing, education. Not saying we have to provide every, every want for our family, but am I meeting the needs of my family? Am I wrestling with the pools of materialism and of our culture? Not saying you can't get those nice shoes, but, but am I wrestling with it at least to ask the question, are we stewarding our money well as a family? Right? There could be an example of someone in the family who gets greedy, perhaps because of addiction or uh, a spending spree over here, and, and money is wa- I've seen this. Money is wasted there, so there's not enough money to pay the light bills. Perhaps some of you have people you've worked with or are family members who have, have been like this, and greed wreaks havoc on your family. The first priority God puts us in is to take care of our household, to make sure that needs are met and that we're stewarding our money well within our household. Again, I'll plug this, but this is why, as families, I encourage you to have a budget. It's why, as a church, we have a budget because we want to operate as a good family of families. There should be generosity with our families. Second is generosity with your church family, those you're in community with. Hopefully, you realize as you come to Redeemer, we bug you enough about this, that church is not just a Sunday gathering, although the Sunday gathering is important. Church is real relationships lived out in community. And when people have needs among us in the people we're connected to in gospel communities or relationships throughout the church, it is an opportunity for those of us who have a uh, who have, God has given an access to or, or, or disposable resources to it, to meet the needs of those we're in community with. Um, sometimes you get to be the giver. Others you might need to receive. And here's my quick encouragement here. Be open and honest to share your needs. So if you are in need, perhaps God gave you a need because there's someone else in the body who he wants to give the opportunity to meet that need. And so you get your needs met, and you receive the love of the Father through that act, and that other person gets to be freed from greed and control and whatever it is that's, that's holding on to that. They get to do an act of worship. It's a beautiful picture of how the church functions. So be open and honest to share your needs, and be quick and ready to meet the needs of others. Now, I just want to brag on you for a little bit as a church, because over the last 13 years, however many years we've been doing this, 
I have seen this play out in such beautiful ways in this church family. And I will, I will challenge you, if you're new here, maybe, maybe I shouldn't do this, but you present a need to this church family, and I would be shocked if it's not at least really, really, uh, if there's not a huge effort to try and meet that need. I've seen cars bought for others in the church family by different people in this church. I've seen debts paid off by people in this church who are in community together. I've seen bills paid so that people could stay in their homes by people in this church. Not just the church giving money out of our benevolence fund, but people to people in this church meeting needs of one another. I mean, I think we probably made a million meals for new babies that are born, right? Like every time a meal train goes up, it just, you know, like, wow, that's, and the food keeps getting better. Like 10 years ago, it was casseroles, and like, we've learned. <laughs> no offense if you make casseroles. Some, of, some are good, some are bad, but. Um, uh, and, and here's the beautiful thing that's encouraging to me is I don't think that's ever been out of compulsion or reluctance. I've seen you as a church do that with joy. And isn't it great to do that and to feel the freedom from greed and know that you're participating in the same act that your Heavenly Father does over and over, day after day? It's a beautiful thing. Now, not only are we to meet the needs in our church family, but we are to meet the needs of the ministry or the more the organization of our church. Just as a family needs money to function, the organization of the church needs money to function. In the Old Testament, God required a tithe to support the ministry of the temple. I won't get into the complexities of that, but there was a general basic rhythm of the first fruits of your labor were given, offered back as an offering. Um, This meant that 10% of what you earned, the first of it was given to support the ministry of the temple. And now remember, we aren't living under the law, but that doesn't mean the tithe can't be a lesson or a baseline for us. The point of cheerful and sacrificial giving is not that we can say, I don't have to tithe. I can give cheerful and sacrificial. Like, you think cheerful and sacrificial is less than 10%? Um, Maybe we could debate about that. I would say no, right? But here's what I would say. How do we handle this without getting into all the debates of law and grace and how do we use the law and all the, the, the. let me just say this. Um, 10% is not given so that we can feel some dutiful obligation to, and, and guilt to give. Rather, I think it, for what it can be for us is a baseline to say, if, if you say, hey, I don't know what it looks like to give. Hey, 10% of your income is a great starting place to give. That, that feels generous and sacrificial for many people. It might not be it for everyone. For some people, as God grows on you, it, he might give you a number that's higher than that. For some people, you might be in a place of need where when you share that need, it's some wise counsel says, hey, right now, you don't need to give 10% because 10% of a negative number is, is you know, a negative number, right? I think, um, I think that math is accurate. But even there, it gives you an opportunity to share your need and to know why I'm not giving in this season because right now I actually need to receive from the church. But for most of you, who are living and making an income and have some level of uh, of your needs are met, 10% is a great baseline. I would say we would love it if every partner at Redeemer was regularly given at least 10% to the work of ministry at Redeemer and the church. And it's it's not a legalism thing. It's just a baseline of cheerful and sacrificial giving. And it doesn't earn you any status or forgiveness with God, but it's a starting point to help you learn 
generosity, to take your hands off of greediness. Now, remember what I mentioned earlier about sometimes we do see in the church like the agenda thing, like, oh, well, you know, I'll give, but it's based on if you do the programs I want or if you use it this way. Like, I just want you for a minute to see how evil that is. Like, you're not actually giving because of the worthiness. Now, again, you should have wisdom and discernment. Don't just give your money anywhere. Don't give it to TBN or anything they offer. Um, <laughs> you should check out that. But if this is your church and you trust your leaders, you don't have to agree with everything. You're giving not to us, but to the Lord. And that is an act of worship between you and Jesus. And so I encourage you to consider what does it look like to give to the local church not to any other ministry. There's, there's other ministries that are justifiably good. I'm not saying you give 10% and you spread it out 1% to all your 10 favorite ministries, but 10% to the local church as a starting point for generous and sacrificial giving. You want to argue? Argue with me later. We'll argue about it in, a, in a love. In love. Now, finally, last order and an important one is generosity to your neighbor and those in need. As a family, I think every family should consider how does God want us to bless our neighbors? How does he want us to think about the poor and the orphan and the widow in our city? And you might not can do it all, and, the, and I'm not, I don't know what the number is, but, but, but consider that. What does it look like for us to give cheerfully and sacrificially to those in need? And don't let it be all or nothing. Let it just start with something consistent and small. Maybe it's just, hey, we want to, as a family, adopt a compassion child, and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna sacrifice you know, 10 lattes a month, because those, th- those suckers are like $10, $7 now, 10 lattes a month, to support a child's education and, 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 and well-being and, and all that. We should look for ways to simplify our life so we can serve and share what we have with others. Um, and we do this as individuals, and we do this as a church. This is why as a church, part of our budget is we have a benevolence fund. We have a fund set aside so that when people in the church come into times of need, not only is it people to people in the church, but we do have money set aside as a church. We have money set aside as a church to give to our serving partners, uh, Young Lives and Young Life and Flourish and, uh, and uh, Fostering Hope and others that we have partnered with over the years. And all of this is motivated ultimately because we believe God is a generous God. And we want to know that in our hearts, and we want to practice with our actions what we believe to be true. I want to give us one final encouragement from Scripture because if we were to look at the statistics, most of us would be in a very high percentage of earners worldwide. You might not feel like that, but worldwide, you you are probably in a very high percentage of people who've been given wealth. And so sometimes we can feel feel guilty about that. But I think rather than feeling guilty, we should take ownership and steward that. Here's the instruction that Timothy gives, or Paul gives to Timothy about the rich. He says this, what are we to do with it, Paul? They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. I love this. Here again, we get this image. Paul wants us to take our greedy hands off of control and self-preservation and all these things that feel instinctual and to release it and generously give, to be freed from the death that greed causes, and to be freed to walk in the newness of life that generosity produces. Let me leave you with two questions, and I'm just going to give you a minute to think of these, and then we're going to pray, 
and go to the Lord's table. But I want to give you two things to think about. Number one, how is greed impacting your generosity? How is greed impacting your generosity? Just take a moment, bow your head, and just ask the Lord that question. Lord, is there any way that greed is impacting my generosity in any of those four areas that we talked about? Secondly, I want you to consider and ask the Lord this question. What would it look like for you to give cheerfully and sacrificially in your family, your church community, to your church and to your neighbor and those in need? All those areas we talked about, maybe there's one that the Lord even brings up in your heart right now. Just ask him, Lord, what would it look like for me to give cheerfully and sacrificially? Now remember, we are primarily talking about money today, but that, the Lord might bring up something else. You might bring up time or talent. What would it look like for me to give cheerfully and sacrificially to your family, your gospel community, your church, your neighbor, and those in need? Father, you are so generous to us. Even this morning as we begin to even recount the gifts to be here, the gift of waking up, the gift of breath, the gift of bodies that can move into this place, the gift of one another, the gift of shelter, the gift of food. Lord, ultimately the gift of your son Jesus rescuing us and welcoming us into your presence. We are so thankful that you are a generous God, not a greedy God. And Lord, we ask that you would pour out your spirit into us and free us from the chains of greed and free us to be people who are generous. And Holy Spirit, you know each person here, you know their heart, you know what they're clinging tightly to, and I pray that you would give wisdom and direction and promptings inside of us that would release us to be generous. Lord, we want to reflect and act like you We want to mimic you so that others would see your glory and goodness. It is in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you are looking for info, find our website at RedeemerRR.org or download the Redeemer Round Rock app from the Android or iOS app store.